This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? What's up, Aaron? Um, I bought some more plants, also a, a bunch of video games. You want to talk about either of those two subjects? Yeah, man, bring them on. Uh, let's go plants. As everyone knows, I hate video games. Okay. Um, I bought a snake plant for this, the office room here, as well as a, a, an additional succulent. And then I bought a new big-ass ZZ plant for the living room. Um, and and they're freshly watered. So, you know, exciting things happening in the uh, Epitasis household here. Really glad to hear it. Thank you. We are joined also by Mike Spears. Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. You know, not too much is going on here. You know, it's kind of the end of summer down here, at least. And getting really excited because we're going to get into fall and I'll get some hikes underway. And the weather won't be like getting smothered by a hot, wet blanket for 23 hours a day. How are you doing over there, Big Cat? <laughs> I'm doing good. Uh, Kentucky just landed a big recruit uh, earlier in the day, so I'm very excited about that. Basketball, of course. That's you're good. excited about uh, him not being paid for his labor? That's kind of fucked up, man. I'm not excited about that, but I'm excited that if someone's not going to pay him, at least it's going to be the University of Kentucky. Hey, so, we all know that the shoe companies and the AAU teams got him covered. That's right. Somebody's paying him. I'm not worried about that. Uh, but this has been a big week for me. Um, I've been working on a brief as always, but while working on the brief, thanks to friend of the show and uh, former guest, Murder Brian, I've been rediscovering the Limp Biscuit catalog. Uh, it's been big. I mean, are, are you all or were you ever Limp Biscuit fans? Yeah, um, was definitely a Limp Biscuit fan in my youth. Never, uh, you probably got into like the ironically listening to it phase. I don't know. To six to eight years ago so now it's just firmly and uh genuinely uh enjoying the absurdity of a lot of it so yeah you're i'd say you're running a little bit behind on getting back into limp biscuit here i've always kind of liked metal music one of one nature or another i did get into limp biscuit when i was younger then i went away to other music things we've talked about my emo phase here then i got really big back into thrash and stoner metal in college so you know, you know, I've not dipped my toe back into the new metal pool yet, but I feel like that, you know, the winter is coming, and I feel like that'd be a good thing to get significant other blaring out of my speakers. So I think I might make that move soon. So my music journey is uh, country, like radio country as a kid, into hip hop, then new metal, then like uh, hardcore punk and uh, like metalcore, then I go from that into like jimmy world type stuff power pop yeah power pop that's a good way of putting it i go from that into like uh country which is uh basically what i listen to now and uh just the remnants of those other things so that's my journey there it is <laughs> all right let's get into this make sure you're following us on twitter at everything aew i'm at aaron like the car i will talk about some of the weird Music that I like occasionally on there. Nate, is that a pitasis? He he talks about a lot of music, actually. So uh, Yeah, really, uh, I've, really uh, I've uh, taken a lot of my wrestling takes uh, off the Twitter. So it's really a lot of video games and uh, K-pop stuff nowadays. True. I can I can confirm that. And then we got Mike at Fuji Heya with two eyes, like Don Fuji. 
can't think of a lot of Iron Mike Spears music tweets. You know, it's one of those things that other than listening to one hour's back to back of Judas, I don't tweet that much about music, <laughs> to be honest. Like I usually if I have my headphones on and I'm working and not with something that I need to be listening to, I usually have a podcast on. I've gone to that mm. part of being a boring 30 year old. So or being in my mid 30s. But I did have a pretty important tweet poll this week that I would like to talk about the results of because I'm very it's just been a wild week on trying to explain to a time traveler from five years ago which which things that's happened this year is like the most what the hell moment between kenta coming back to new japan ultimo dragon and dragon gate cosmos sakamoto being one of the best improved wrestlers in the world or tna and steve harvey owning access tv 49 percent chose tna and steve harvey owning access tv that's what you get from my twitter account a little recency bias i would say yeah yeah but still wild Steve Harvey's kind of a meme pick, I think. People, yeah. you know, see Steve Harvey on there and go, well, that's the obvious answer, I think. I think that's fair. But I mean, that's a little uh, taste of what you can get on our various. How uh, can you hear this? It Twitter sounds account. so incredibly enriching. <laughs> yeah. uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find our independent feed by searching Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice or subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Make sure you rate and review. If you leave a good enough review, we will talk about it on the show. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we don't. Uh, you can sponsor the show. So this is a new feature now that we've moved to uh, Red Circle as the host for the podcast and all the podcasts on the network. If you go to, and we'll put this link in the show notes, redcircle.com slash shows slash everything hyphen elite. You can click sponsor this podcaster and you can do a one-time thing or do a monthly thing. Uh, this isn't like a Patreon. We're not doing anything special for it. We're just, you know, if you want to give us some money, feel free to do so for all the free labor we provide. Okay. Here's what we're going to talk about. Labor. We're going to talk about the build to the first uh, show on TNT, specifically on this episode, Cody versus Sammy. And well, B versus Brit isn't happening on the first TNT, but that's a, a feud that is building up or could happen on that. We don't know that yet. We're going to talk about new info we have on pay-per-view buys for All Out. We're going to talk about Cody getting canceled. And Nate will break down the newest being the elite for us all. But we're going to start talking about labor. So if you're an old school EE head, we often would start shows talking about labor. Hasn't been a ton of labor talk on everything elite, but we're bringing it back this week. So we'll tie it in. Promise. So California this week passed a law basically saying that people are misclassifying uh, the or companies are misclassifying people who work for them as employees when they're actually independent contractors. And I'll explain that a little bit here in a minute. But basically, California's cleaning it up. They're trying to go after your Ubers, your Lyfts, you know, the, the gig economy and make those people be classified as employees. And the reason for that is. When you're not an employee, there are a lot of federal and state laws that don't apply to you. You can't get workers comp. Uh, your wages aren't set on like a, a normal basis. It just kind of, it's just a harder life. Uh, you're, you're not entitled to healthcare. Uh, so it's just tougher, easier when you're classified as an employee. Uh, there's a test. We'll talk about this. This is not that exciting, but it is something you need to know to like kind of understand what we're talking about here. Because this is a big problem in pro wrestling. That's how all this ties in. So there's a case out of California called Dynamex. The idea is basically this. Are you free from the control and direction of 
the company who hired you regarding your work. Are you performing work that is outside of the usual course of the employer's business? And are you customarily engaged in a trade or occupation of the same nature? That meaning like we're talking about plumbers, right? Like you run a plumbing business and then this person hires you to come do their plumbing. If all these things apply to you, you're an independent contractor, not an employee. But of course, when you talk about Uber, those types of, of things, the person is only doing that one work for the one person. The app is telling them where to go, right? And they're probably not, they probably don't have an LLC that's a driving business, right? Where they go around and, and drive for other people. So they're probably independent contractors. Pro wrestlers, much the same. Well, a lot of pro wrestlers. Your WWE pro wrestlers, where they classify everyone as independent contractors, even though you can't work for anybody else, they control what you do. I mean, literally, the agenting process in WWE controls how your matches look, right? Everything you do is controlled by WWE, and the work is absolutely essential to the business. There's There can be no doubt about that. Without the wrestling, you don't have a wrestling company. So... AEW is talking about running California in 2020, according to Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter this year. Of course, WWE runs California. So the question is this, after all that exposition, will this change whether WWE runs California, whether AEW runs California? Is it going to make a big change in the pro wrestling industry? What is your initial reaction to all of that, Nate? Yeah, so I think this is probably a bigger uh, test for WWE than AEW um, for a couple reasons. First, we know that AEW does have genuine employees. We do not know how much of the roster is uh, genuinely employed by the company. We don't know, um, you know, which people those are exactly, uh, uh, but we do know that some amount of them are. So theoretically, if they had to or they felt they had to, they might be able to put on a show just with people that are full-time employees of the company. That would be something that's on the table. You could also have full-time employees on the show along with genuine independent contractors and local talent and people that, you know, are weekend warriors and work indies in California or whatever else. For WWE, that's a considerably bigger problem because, uh, uh, you know, uh, they basically have an entire roster full of independent contract, uh, misclassified independent contractors who should be, employees and should uh I, I, unless something changed today i don't think this is actually passed yet i think it passed the higher house of california but has not yet been signed by the governor i think um, we're just waiting on the governor's signature yeah and i think we're expecting it to be signed but anyway um yeah this i would expect will be an issue for them if uh, you know it applies to any business doing you know meaningful making meaningful meaningful business contacts in the state of california which of course you know running a tour or running a, a number of shows in california would constitute so yeah I, I think wwe's probably got jerry mcdevitt you know uh, uh meeting with his underlings now to figure out what they're going to do about this um and if this spreads to other uh, states then we're going to see uh, a whole new calculus uh, by them i think um I do think they've made a conscious effort to rent out their guys a lot more often than they used to. So, you know, maybe they only bring their workers to California that are, uh, you know, people they've sent to evolve recently or to progress recently or to, you know, WXW recently or whatever the fuck. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I think this is a good new, good bill for uh, a vast number of workers in California and I uh, hope it bears out that way. 
Yeah, and this really does seem like we're in a time where California is going to take the uh, lead on this. Gavin Newsom, who's the governor of California, has already pretty much indicated he's going to sign this, and this will go into law on January 1st, 2020. And if California is leading this, and a lot of this, like, let's be frank here, this is the runoff from uh, from the gig economy things. WWE and All Elite Wrestling are just kind of the runoff from this. Like, it's just a side thing for it. But it's something that, as we're seeing, WWE exert so much more control over their so-called independent contractors, especially in the UK. UK and Europe is even more so of an issue since these are people who are nominally still taking other dates, but they keep on having different kinds of restrictions and yanking people from the shows. And it's not just like they get yanked from shows. Like I know a bunch of people get yanked from a show that was going to happen in Tokyo this year because of a WWE UK claim. So it's going to be real interesting. Of course, this is something that we all here believe that they are like fully fledged uh, employees looking at the Dynamax test. Like it's pretty just plainly put, especially if, the fact that we're talking, we'll be talking about dates being finished up for people on the indies. So it'll be interesting. As Nate said, I think that All Elite might not be as hit by this because of the fact that they do have a smaller roster and a lot of people are still in the office. I'm still thinking about trying to put together some sort of org chart to figure out who the office workers are and who actually reports to who. So uh, I want to three points on that. One, it would be really funny if they the WWE ran shows in California and it was all like fucking Triple H versus Flash Morgan Webster. That would be hilarious. Um, <laughs> that would really entertain me. Uh, two, so Uber actually is arguing that the drivers are not a core element of their business. They're, oh, no, we just make the app and the driving is secondary, which is, you know, facially absurd. So we'll see how the courts play that out once it inevitably becomes a uh, lawsuit. And uh, I think I forgot my third point, but there's something related to what Mike was saying. Yeah, well, Uber is going to figure this out for everyone, right? Because like you said, they're already denying that this applies to them and just say they're not going to comply with it. So litigation is going to happen. And a lot of this is going to be figured out. You can see WWE filing amicus briefs or, you know, somehow getting involved uh, if they think it's uh, dangerous to them in any way. Because Mike's right. They're not... California wasn't coming at WWE here by any stretch. I mean, they had this other legislation going after college athletics. So they have honed in on certain things and WWE is going to be affected by it. The interesting thing about AEW is it's true that we know that lots of people are employees, but we don't know who they're actually considering not employees or independent contractors in any way. Like early on, if you go back and don't, but if you went back and listened to the very first episodes of the show, you'll hear us talking about a real optimism that AEW would do independent contractors correctly, right? Like they would have some employees and they'd have other people who could work wherever, but they also worked for AEW. Maybe AEW had, you know, first right of refusal on dates or something like that. But what we're seeing now is that pretty much everybody, it looks like, is not allowed to take independent dates after TV starts. I think we did see that Sean Spears has some dates in Canada after TV starts. Maybe you know they work something out. But for example, Sonny Kiss announced that he is finishing up on the indies before TV starts. And Sonny is not some big indie act. You know, Sonny wasn't everywhere. He wasn't at PWG before getting signed to AEW. So it seems like everybody's being shut down. 
but we have no indication that Sonny Kiss is an employee or has an office job. So there's a lot of unanswered questions that would help us to figure out where this is going. Yeah, and uh, th- I think we may continue to see like Jimmy Havoc and MJF with a little more freedom because we know that they were contracted to MLW first. So uh, their contract with AEW uh, you know, necessarily has some latitude where they're allowed to work other promotions. And we also expect that there's some more freedom in AEW in terms of international dates than WWE because we know that people have carved out the ability to work in Japan uh, independently or whatever else. Maybe those are only the top guys, but that's just the information we have. The, the third point that I was going to say is the bill in California carves out an exception uh, to the Dynamex test for fine artists. Fine artists would uh, still be independent <laughs> contractors under the previous standard. So I'm just really looking forward to, uh, you know, Jerry McDevitt arguing in court that no, uh, pro wrestling is actually a fine art and just settling the, uh, you know, art discourse on Twitter once and for all when they do it so they can, you know, uh, misclassify their workers. You know who they'll use as a case for that? The busker guy. Who's the guitar busker guy? I've not watched that e- Eli, Eli, no. Elias. Elias? Okay. I yeah, was going to say yeah. Eli Drake. <laughs> Be- because I fully believe. That was yeah. fun to watch. <laughs> but yeah, no, I... It's going to be interesting because you do have these wrestlers like Kenny has an obligation now to DDT. The OWE guys have obligations. Otherwhere, I mean, Pac, there's still a lot of stuff in there with them that you would see these obligations already be used that could further prove that if they were going to form their their own amicus brief that they are independent contractors as well. So there's a whole lot of like shadiness going on. I feel like that's going to happen before this thing goes into law at 1-1. And I have to imagine that there's already lawsuits being filed or written up at this point. I'm really looking forward to the reference to uh, Will Ospreay versus Ricochet in a Supreme <laughs> Court oral argument. <laughs> They're going to pull up uh, Crass Pants' uh, Museum of Merchandise. Get like, As you can see, this fine art shirt that Ricochet had made is a, is a piece of contemporary modern art. True. Crash pants, you're on the side of the of the devil now. Congratulations. Okay, that's what we have on labor. We can now talk about uh, TV. I guess that's the next big thing as far as what's going on right now. We're in this period, right, where it's like three weeks until TV or whatever, and there's no other shows. So we just uh, we can report on the news as it's coming. The Road to AEW on TNT episode two was this week, and they really focused on two main things. So it was opened, or I should say it was bookended with Sammy Guevara interview and a Cody interview. So we're building up to that. Part of the announcement here was that that's going to be the first match on the first episode of television. So let's start there. What do y'all think? I know we talked earlier about, you know, way long ago on this show about the idea of putting on an SCU uh, trios match first, just to get the excitement going. It's what they've done in every big show. But instead here, they're going with Cody versus Sammy. Sammy is an exciting wrestler. Cody, not quite so exciting. So what do you all think about this as the introduction to AEW? It's not like uh, they're doing a good job of building it and explaining that it has stakes and being like, this is a meaningful match that's on this uh, first show here. But yeah, the actual aesthetics of the match and the, you know, action we're expecting is maybe not like super blow away stuff. Like it's not the, the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks, 
So um, I think, number one, they should have Aubrey Edwards as the ref for this and just immediately be distinctive in that regard. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I, I want to see some crazy Sammy dives. I want to see him go four rows into the crowd. Uh, and that'll satisfy me. I'll be like, yeah, you're not fucking seeing that on WWE. This guy just, you know, kicked Cody's head off and maybe three fans. Yeah, and it's one of those things that when I look at this, like Cody in a situation when his best stuff has been the story-driven stuff, and this is really not a story-driven match, is just one of those things that like when I see, I'm just kind of, I don't squirm, but I just go like, okay, that's a missed opportunity because Nate's right. It should be a situation where we have Sammy out there doing crazy shit. And the, this whole like video with him t- doing this interview where he does the workout, I'm tired of seeing these workout videos, by the way. I feel like we've gotten way too many of them and they've kind of driven them kind of to the ground between all the Cody ones, all the, like the different ones we've had for like Sean Spears. Like, it's okay. I thought the sit down interview was much better talking about Texas and how Texas is such an isolated wrestling scene and how he felt like he needed to kind of get out. And then his vlog i thought it was kind of a cool little thing but yeah it's a weird match and not one that i would ever lead off my first show with was there a workout video in here that i missed he was like sprinting and doing parkour oh okay that was like his b-roll from his vlog really (laughs) uh neat reference the the stakes here and basically the idea of what they're building is in his interview sammy talks about you know, Cody likes to talk about how I have a lot of potential and I'm going to be good in a couple of years. And, you know, of course, the the undertone of that is I'm not good now. I'm not ready uh, to be featured now. And Cody kind of referenced that some uh, in his interview as well. And, you know, you have Sammy saying, well, he's going to overlook me because he doesn't think I'm good enough now. And Cody says, no, I'm not going to overlook him because I can't be embarrassed on the first episode of television, this new audience. And I think that's, important that it gives this like that sports build to what we're doing you know it it grounds it in reality of on one hand he could just say i want to go out there and make sure we have this exciting match that's going to get the fans you know excited for our product but he he shies away from that and instead talks about how his real motivation is making sure he doesn't get embarrassed in front of this new audience so i think it's a good job of adding some excitement to a match that is very cold and doesn't uh, doesn't really get the blood boiling. Yeah, I thought this was a good job. I don't think it's all that cold. Um, you know, I think Sam, like Sammy's whole gimmick has kind of been that like he is naturally an asshole and people naturally dislike him or whatever. But you see this and, you know, they do the road to thing of like introducing you to the person behind the character more and you get like a fundamentally more likable guy who's like, this was my dream. And I did everything I could to pursue it. Uh, and in that regard, he's sort of like the prototypical AEW signee because he's a guy who like did the work and went and got himself over with the extra effort. And, you know, that's the predictor of getting over, hopefully on the big stage. Um, but yeah, and they did a good job setting up the stakes. Even even when Sammy was just talking about himself and, uh, you know, with his Funko Pops behind him on the wall and all that, like he still shouted out, oh, you know, Cody's thinking about his roles as an executive and putting together the TV and he has all these other things. He shouts out that he's paying attention to Chris Jericho because he's got the title match coming up with Chris Jericho. That's just good attention to detail where it's like, oh, yeah, there's, um, you know, uh, uh, bigger stakes at hand here. And everybody sort of has a, something on the line in all these matches. 
Um, and then I it, you know, it did bother me that they kept hammering home that Cody was an executive on this episode. They did it in the interview with Tony Schiavone also. Um, but you know, that's going to be probably an ongoing annoyance, of course. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was a, a good job in building up this match to the extent that it can be built. The other stakes that they pointed out, or Cody said, if he loses this match, he will not be in the title match against Chris Jericho. And that, of course, if Jericho loses on TV before that match, uh, he wouldn't be in there. So they're really going all the way with this win-loss thing and that the wins and losses are going to matter. But you can't really hammer that home until you got a match like this set up and the guy loses and he's taken out of the of the title match. Yeah, he could... Uh, Cody can't lose here, though. No, 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 no. Have to be like, oh, we're going to be a straightforward wrestling promotion. This is our first match. Like, they fucked up by having the fucking Battle Royale as the first match on the first show. Here they have to do like, oh, there are tears here, and the guy who's in the world title match, who's going to be a top guy, is going to beat the guy underneath him. And that just has to be that. And we have to understand that. They have to tell that to us clearly. And they'll be like, oh, my God, it's pro wrestling. Uh, I also do want to talk. For during the Cody thing, they had a bunch of B-roll just of like Sammy and, you know, Cody and like their cement uh, warehouse or whatever and had like these vertical lights like all around them. I just thought that was like kind of a cool aesthetic. Like it was uh, kind of it was kind of a good uh, blend of like throwback attitude era stuff where everybody's in like a burning warehouse or whatever. But you also just have sort of like a, a new vibe on it with the vertical lights around them. Um, that's just like a good kind of distinctive thing, I thought. We also, in this episode, had Tony Schiavone back in the AEW Control Center. I guess he's going to be probably the more permanent uh, person helming this. And his whole segment focuses on women's wrestling. He starts going back over the uh, casino battle royale. And uh, before we get into what he's talking about, we might as well talk about casinos. And this week, we're talking about sportsbooks, mybookie.ag. So... The first thing I want to say, of course, is I would not be uh, hawking this place if I didn't think they were the best place to bet. So this is legit. Uh, as we've always told you, you play, you win, you get paid. MyBookie.ag is the real deal. But let's think about some things that we can bet on this week, right? You're going to hear this on Friday. It's going to be payday. What better time than to get some action down? Unfortunately, you're going to miss out on tonight's debate props that mybookie.ag has. So you can bet on how many times Joe Biden will mention Obama. Over, under at one and a half. You guys have, have takes on this? Over. <laughs> yeah, that's easy over. <laughs> well, that was boring. <laughs> can, okay. can you bet on if Andrew Yang is going to vape on stage? No, but you can bet on how many times Andrew Yang will say $1,000. Over under five and a half. Ooh, Ooh. tougher line. Um, <laughs> under. I'll take the under I, on that. Uh, I might go under also. Yeah, and wow. and I've been playing with my bookie.ag. I've tried the service; it's fantastic service, and you're able to do things like prop bets. So we could do a prop bet of the Obama mentions by Biden, as well as the thousand dollar mentions by Andrew Yang. And there's just so much things you can bet on this site, and you can even bet on second half scores as well so if you're betting on a game after kickoff if by the second half it looks like your bet's going to lose you can pick up the second half and they have all kinds of different bets like guys did you see that there are odds already listed for sunday's wwe pay-per-view i had no idea any of these matches that were going on oh boy i saw it 
And I learned from the odds who's likely going to win these matches because I have no clue what's going on in that promotion. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't know that apparently Seth Rollins is a tag team champion. That's news to me. That. Yeah, I found out. He's wrestling uh, Braun Strowman, right, in a singles match. And he's defending the tag team champions championship. He's wrestling twice? With Braun Strowman. That's, oh! Um, that's what they need for sure, is they need 11 matches and two of them feature Seth Rollins. That's going to uh, you know, <laughs> bring the hot period back. All right. Well, now I want to start a, a little segment that will continue as long as MyBookie.ag keeps sponsoring the show. And we'll keep track. That's right. First, the Cousin Weed Mouse Lock of the Week. This is our buddy on Twitter, at Weed underscore Mouse. Uh, very good better. Here's his lock of the week for this week, folks. Georgia Southern plus 21 against Minnesota. I love it. It's a triple option team. They oh, run yeah. out the clock. Like, that's great. Like, Army covered against Michigan last week doing the same thing. Like, trust our good cousin, Weed Mouse, here. We need to bite the uh, lock it in noise from the starters and put it in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're not just bringing you the cousin Weed Mouse lock of the week. We're also bringing you the everything elite lock of the week. The Jacksonville Jaguars, the money line plus three fifty. It's a stone cold lock, folks. The Jags always win. I'm gonna yeah. spoil. I'm gonna spoil the joke. Is every time we do the everything elite <laughs> lock of the week, we're gonna recommend betting on the Jacksonville Jaguars or Fulham. Or Fulham. Yeah, or Fulham. There you go. Thanks, yeah. Nate. They would have realized that next week. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe the bet pans out. So I think we're then, supposed to do some bit here about how we're not encouraging you to bet and. Um, I don't know, something else, but don't take, we don't know anything. Don't take our advice, uh, you know, and bet responsibly or something. But if you're going to bet on these things, and this is legit, my bookie will double your first deposit, double it if, and only if, use the promo code ELITE to activate the offer. That's promo code E-L-I-T-E. So visit mybookie.ag today, use the promo code ELITE, double your first deposit. That's up to $1,000. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, from the sportsbook back to the casino, Battle Royale. Here's what I thought was interesting about what Shivani did here. He specifically highlighted four women, and they were Allie, Brandy, Awesome Kong, okay, that tracks, and Shazza McKenzie. I, was there a, a graphic for Shazza, like Shazza is all elite? Yeah. There was not a all no, there was not a she is all elite graphic, but there is a she is in the battle royale graphic. So, yeah, so I, my expectation is that she hasn't signed. Right. Or they at least haven't announced her as signed. Yeah, have not announced her. She did do like a nice thank you note on Twitter. That was like, "Oh, I really appreciate the opportunity," <clears throat> which seems like the kind of thing you would do if you're trying to get signed. Right. Um, so yeah, certainly she was an interesting uh, inclusion here. Also interesting were the omissions. Did not mention Mercedes Martinez, even though she was the big number 21 spot. Also had a new theme by a friend of the show, Mikey Ruckus. Um, so they went to that effort. Um, didn't mention any of the other surprises. Didn't mention uh, Evil East or Teal Piper or, uh, you know, there's other people that we don't know if they're uh, in for long haul or not. ODB, not mentioned. So... This just makes me wonder if if Shazza is going to be focused on it. I mean, it's hard to believe that they would have highlighted her here when they have other signed acts in the match that they could have highlighted if she isn't signed. But the focus of this segment was the build 
uh, on the feud of B Priestley and Britt Baker. So this is, you know, obviously it was clear, but this is the direction that they're going. One thing I noticed here was that from our vantage point at the show, it, this wasn't as clear, but from the video, it looked pretty obvious that at least the idea was that Nyla couldn't see B helping, you know, holding Britt's arm when Nyla threw her out. So it's not quite a face Hogan cheating to beat a heel Sid here. That's big news. I know that that was something that a lot of people were concerned about a face Hogan cheating to eliminate a heel Sid moment here. But yeah, I thought this was a good job. Then Tony fed this into Riho versus Nyla in Washington, D.C., making it sound like this is a match and a few that would already have stakes towards who might be the next contender for whomever wins the women's title. So I, I liked it. I thought it was kind of interesting how you mentioned about Shazza getting the big shout versus... You know, I mean, they did the thing for Jazz, like, and that got a big response in the building. And Teal Piper, of course, but Teal's also now signed to Women of Wrestling now. So that really could have just been a one-time deal. And, you know, she's uh, Roddy Roddy Piper's daughter. So it, it was cool. I, I, I've always really liked these control room segments. I thought this was another strong one. So do you guys think that's the deal is that the, the B-Brit thing is feeding into your next challenger for whoever wins between Riho and Nyla? Yeah, I think that's gonna, you know, that those are seem like our four top sort of women here, right? Um, based on the focus they've gotten to this point. So, you know, don't really know how they're going to determine next challengers. Don't know what sort of timeline we're on for that, if it's going to be monthly challengers for every belt or what. Um, but, you know, if, if wins and losses matter, then coming out on top of the uh, uh, Brit and B feud should probably put them in line for a title challenge. Yeah, I really wanted to see or really expected to see Britt as the first champion. I talked about that on the preview show. But I do like the idea of setting up, you know, the monster. She's not really a heel, but, you know, Nyla as like the big woman on the on the top of the division. And then having Britt overcome her to be a set. You know, that kind of gives Britt a little more of a build if they want to go that way. Which, who knows which way they'll go. Obviously, if Nyla's going to be... A baby face, it makes more sense for B to kind of come out of there. But I'm intrigued by where this is going. Yeah, I really think the Nyla and Riho match is kind of a weird title match just because we already saw Riho beat Nyla. Like, that's kind of the first, like, that's kind of the end of that feud is the undersized, valiant baby face getting the big upset on the monster. Um, and we already saw it. So are they, are they just going to do it again? Or are they just going to have a dominant monster win the belt kind of curious maybe they're just going to be 50 50 and that's what it's going to be um but yeah that's kind of the biggest question mark in terms of where they're going in these uh next programs yeah and oh god what i, I don't want to see is nyla getting the win and then so that means they have to have a third match right that would be painful i just expect with uh what's going on with like the people who have other obligations and Riho is one of them that it kind of has to be Nyla just because you know that you're never going to have a, a complication with if like, because Riho has now is stardom high speed champion. She's pretty much been on every show since she won the belt. And then also she has this DDT obligation as well. Whereas, whereas Nyla, she's someone that is us based and in theory it, does not have many outside obligations so it, it's weird because of the way that Riho won that triple threat match that, that you would think okay if Nyla wins all right now you have a one-on-one -on -one victory are you going to have a rubber match and 
it kind of feels like that they're going to just say like, okay, this is the title match and then move away to, I guess, what happens with Brit versus B. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes going forward. I do. Uh, it does kind of work to their favor at times that maybe Riho isn't available for every date. They can go one and one. Nyla can win the belt. And then instead of, you know, having the sort of plot hole of, hey, why isn't, you know, Riho going for the rubber match or whatever? It can be, well, she's in Japan for the next three weeks. So Nyla started a new program with someone else. Like that's kind of the beauty of rotating people in and out of tours and out of focus on television and shit like that is you can put something on the back burner without it being like a huge glaring like plot hole kind of thing. You're also hopefully going to have a huge part of your audience who did not see that match, the three-way match. So, you know, if if we if we know that a, around 100,000 people bought Double or Nothing, is that the show that that... No, that's not the show that was on, was yeah, it? Yeah, I think the, oh, the three-way was not on that. It was Fighter on Fest. Fighter Fest. So even fewer than 100, you know. And we're talking about... We don't know, but let's call it a million people that might see this first television episode. So now maybe they're going to hammer it home. And so it'll be obvious, you know, that all this happened. But you can just run away from it if you want. <laughs> it doesn't have to be uh, a focus. All right. A few other little notes about TV. They're going to have a one hour preview show on TNT on October 1. So the day before the first TV show, uh, apparently, according to Dave, that's the first night SmackDown isn't on Tuesday. And that has been the idea, but I don't know anything about that. So I apologize. The original idea was for AW to be on Tuesdays once SmackDown left, but TNT vetoed that because of uh, NBA obligations. We learned this week that John Moxley versus Sean Spears is going to be on the October 9 show in Boston. So week two, and that should be Moxley's first match, right? Yeah, I think so because he got pulled from, from Bloodsport, so this would be his first match, at least since he's been on the shelf with Mercer. And I think that will be Spears' first match, because I don't think he's going to get booked for uh, DC as well. So first time for both of them on TNT. It's kind of interesting, because that's sold out. You might save Moxley's first match for a, a show where you need to move some more tickets, but they've decided to go ahead and introduce him on TV. I feel like you just have to get him on TV, just because of having him second week after the newness is off, you have in theory, who would be one of your biggest stars, at least awareness wise on week two. I feel like that that's the play when you just know that like, okay, in theory, you're going to have a, your number from week one, week two is going to have a slide. Like that's just how shows work. So, you know, it just makes sense. Like just give it a little bit of juice with week two. I do uh, also think and this is another instance where really the Monday Night Wars and the WWE being bad for so long is working against AEW here is uh, if you're not like a super hardcore wrestling fan and you haven't been paying to the minutia of how talent is announced for these future TV dates, you might have normal wrestling fans that are going, uh, oh, well, John Moxley's in the promotion, so he's definitely wrestling when I go to that show. So you don't want to, I mean... That's maybe an expectation you have to violate at times, but you also have to give people star matches uh, uh, when they're paying to see the show. Yeah, at least early on. I mean, when you're building up some brand equity, as they say, you're going to need to have some of these folks on there. Uh, another TV was announced November 13 in Nashville. Tickets go on sale tomorrow, uh, 9.13 at noon. 
going to be set up for around 7,000 to 7,500. I don't know. It doesn't look like they're going to be able to put 7,000 people in arenas uh, week after week. So, I mean, it kind of looks like it's a 4,000 to 6,000 um, attendance uh, company at this point. So it's just weird that they keep setting these up for way more, even though they're not selling the tickets. <laughs> well, that's also going to be after a few episodes of television. So, you know, you, you would hope that, uh, you know, after two months of television, you've caught on to some degree and some casual yeah. people are going to buy in at that point. Also, when you like look at venues, because I started to look at venues when this was all popping up and Tony Khan said about 4,500 to 6,000 was like their ideal range. There's just not many places that, when you knock out for production kills that you could rent a building that full capacity will be about 5,000. It's just not super available. So these are kind of the second tier or C tier venues that are a little bit smaller that could do this. And I think that it, the idea is, okay, we set this up for this. If we somehow get a full sellout, that's great. But as long as we're hitting these benchmarks, it's going to be fine. And you know, if it's going to be a thousand or 2000 short, you can hide that pretty well on TV. I mean, WWE has been trying to do that for years now. So I'm not super worried about this. And I think that the the sooner that people's expectations become lowered about what week in, week out would be the better. I guess if you think about it, nobody really talks about or cares how many tickets every WWE house show sells. I mean, we talk in bigger picture terms about like, okay, the business is down or whatever. But... Eventually, nobody's going to care how many people are in each building, as long as it looks okay on TV, and as long as it, you know, main, it continues to be a maintainable business, I guess. So it's just, you know, it's new, and we're, and we do a podcast <laughs> about this every week. So, yeah, you know, we we got to talk as about. As long it. as they're not having to pull what WWE did in Tacoma, where they curtained off half the building, I think it's fine. But it's important thing also because this is how they're going to be getting a lot of the revenue you know, outside of TV ad sales, like it's going to be their week to week TV. So it's important for them to at least be able to keep a level of acceptance. All right, let's go back to some more big picture thoughts. You all want to talk about where some of these programs might be going? Is that, uh, is that interesting to you? <laughs> yeah, let's get on this. There's some interesting stuff. We're in an interesting place with the company right now. My thought is let's not burn all these because we might want to use some next week. Right. You know, as we're getting closer to TV, but we've already talked a little bit about where the women are going. So let's hit up a couple of these. Um, Omega Moxley, I think, is fascinating. Right. Omega is coming off two out of three losses and this big loss to Pac. Moxley, it's going to be his uh, first big match when, when they meet up first, and presumably he'll be match. Yeah, presumably uh, he'll be undefeated when when this match happens. So. Oh, right. He had the unsanctioned match. That was your joke. It was so, very funny. So I don't, uh, you know, I don't know how you missed it. Sorry. Uh, I was being oh, sarcastic just now. Right, sure. <laughs> it's very obvious when I'm sarcastic. So I don't know how you missed it. I don't know. You're explaining a lot of jokes on this episode, Nate. That's what uh, makes so them funny. God. That's, go that's going well. Well, what jokes do you have for this? Omega Moxley. I mean, Nothing makes sense. Omega feels like he needs a win. Moxley, it feels like you want to have him winning, but you also don't want WWE guys beating Omega every time he gets in the ring with them. So what the hell do you do here? It's an interesting conundrum. I was going to say, because you're right, you don't want the WWE guys to put down the person that 
comes in at least from our bubble as arguably the biggest star there. Like if we take a if we take out like optics and we're just talking about what do the sort of fan that listens to everything elite would think, you would think that Kenny Omega is your one of your bigger stars just because of how internet works and Twitter works. He's kind of been the person that's stayed in the discourse a lot better way than John Moxley, but Omega's already has a loss against Jericho, former WE. He has a loss against Pac, former WE. So three in a row, that's a huge thing, even though they're playing up the idea that he's on this losing streak now. You, you kind of have to have some sort of balance. And on the other side of the coin is, is this a time where you want to start up your Omega winning streak and you want to kind of put the thrusters on against under Omega? Because if he beats Moxley, then in theory... For a, for a casual viewer, you're going to think, oh, wait, he beat Moxley, so shouldn't he be up next for a title shot? And is that really the case when he's one and two going into this match? So it's interesting. Yeah, so I think uh, that's a great point by Mike that these are all former WWE guys. I had not put that together with his two previous losses. Um, and they are definitely doing a storyline that he's like melting down about these losses. I think Moxley should lean on that and be like, oh, you know, I, I went on this pilgrimage to you know see what the whole kenny omega deal was about and see if you're really the best in the world and all this stuff and you know i'm going to come in and be the third guy from vince's company to to put you down and i guess you know just the indies and the the new japan all these other companies just aren't on that level um that would be an interesting angle to take for it i think but i think omega probably needs a win more here um you know people that are familiar with moxley are going to know already if they like him and if he's a the guy they want to get invested in and uh, you know, he's going to have sort of a new look and a new vibe, but you know, they, they kind of know the quantity a little bit. Whereas Omega is going to be a newer act to the majority of the TV audience probably. And you kind of need to win. I just like, you don't, if he's going to be your top guy, which is what I have to imagine was the plan, uh, especially when he was like, you know, the last elite member to join the promotion and all this stuff. Cause he had the new Japan, contract we were waiting on and you know all the where will he go discourse was about kenny and if he's going to wwe or he's staying in new japan blah 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 like we're led to believe this is the big individual draw you know one of the best wrestlers in the world etc this is the whole narrative about kenny like kind of needs a win so we can show to the 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 casual television viewing audience that this is a top guy. This is a, an actual superstar in pro wrestling, which hasn't, you know, had a superstar in a while. Um, and I also think maybe it's just kind of fun to have Omega, the DDT guy who's mad at new Japan beat John Moxley coming off the G one. That would be personally amusing to me. All right. We've talked women. We've talked the men's main event scene. What about tag teams? So, we know we're going into this tag team tournament. Dark Order won the first round bye, and they've been programmed with the best friends. Now, the Young Bucks are going to be in the tournament. I don't know if – I assume the Lucha Brothers are going to be in the uh, tournament. I think we think they're probably not in the tournament because okay. Cubs said they're advertised for some date that conflicts with a TV. Okay. Um, it seems like – and, and we don't think they're under AEW contract at this point because they're like – you know, triple A guys uh, primarily, and they've been sort of on loan or whatever. Um, so I, I, until we hear otherwise, I would put that as a question mark and leaning not in the tournament. Okay. Yeah. Well then I'm sorry. You got something on that, Mike? No, I was just saying, yeah, it seems like that Phoenix is a double champion in triple A. He's signed there. They haven't defended his world championship for a long time. And is 
first world championship match will be against Kenny Omega coming up in November. So I feel like that he's that they're not going to be around as much, at least through the end of this year, or, or at the very least through this tournament. Just bizarre because they beat the Bucks twice in this promotion. You know, it's like, why would you do that with guys who aren't going to be mainstays? But we'll figure out how that well, goes. They're, but they're that leaves be, us, you know, in the promotion once their AAA deals are up or whatever and all that sort of right. So that leaves us with like four top teams so far, right? You got the Bucks, Dark Order, Best Friends, Private Party. Um, uh, but uh, proud and powerful above Pride and par- Private Party, probably. That's fair. Although Private Party have two wins, right, in this promotion. Yeah, already. but even the, you know the proud and powerful. I I can't that I can't say that name. Santana and Ortiz. Santana, Santana and Ortiz were immediately programmed with the Bucks right. in their debut. So that's true. It's just weird because. Okay, I've thought all along that the what, what they were building was for the best friends to win this tournament because they lose the bye and they have to overcome that and go through all the rounds and they ultimately win and are your first champion. Of course, the Bucks make the most sense as like the, the star power, if they have that. But they've also lost two matches already. I mean, they're in BT. You'll talk about this later. They're talking about how everybody thinks they're the favorite. Well, why? They haven't mm-hmm. won a match in this promotion. So, I don't know. I'm on the best friends, but I can see it go in a few ways. What are your all's thoughts based on what we've seen so far about where this division is going for the tournament? Did the Bucks lose the double or nothing match? No, they They won the belts in Mexico and then lost the belts back in Mexico, right? Yeah, they lost the belts Each team had a successful defense in AEW. Right. Is that right? I think that's right. I I thought they, they won there originally. And then defended a double or nothing, and then lost to the Lucha Brothers in Mexico, and then the Lucha Brothers defended in the latter match. Okay, that's fair. Nate, you give your theory. I'm going to check the uh, official settings for AEW while you do check so. That shit out. Um, yeah, I kind of think the best friends is the story that makes sense, and that they've been programmed with the Dark Order. You know, the Dark Order is going to be the heel team with the by here um and that the sort of the underdogs coming back and and getting their revenge by overcoming the additional round of the tournament to go on and and win the titles um that's sort of fine i i I don't know that it matters too much except maybe if cody and kenny omega are not going to be champions on top in the single division maybe you want the young bucks to be the standard bearers for this tag team division and sort of establish it because they are, you know, uh, also draws in their own right and stars in their own right. And maybe that's where you say, you know, it's fine that these are the guys, the these guys are the executives because, you know, they're also reigning tag team, best tag team of the year and the observer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, you know, I don't, I'm, this, I can't, you know, they want to say that the tag team division is going to be a focus and is going to be like genuinely pushed and stuff, but we're not really programmed to, follow that line of thinking in the United States. So I just don't think that the champion you pick of your tag team division right now matters as much as the champion you pick of your singles division. Like it's probably not going to drive ratings if you have the best friends on top versus the young bucks on top. So um, I'm going to say that I think maybe you go with the young bucks, but I don't know that it matters. I am going to go Santana and Ortiz, but I looked it up in division. The bucks are two and one. In all elite, they won the match at Double or Nothing. They won the match against the Rhodes Brothers at Fight for the Fallen, and then they lost at 
all out. It's really a huge blunder by Bentley. Actually. Yeah, that was real bad. Yeah, I just bad job out of me. One of us has to be right on the show, and I guess it's going to be me here. But <laughs> the numbers don't lie. But at, I'm going to say Santana and Ortiz because Santana and Ortiz are people who, with where Impact Wrestling is, and the uh, de-evolution of Impact Wrestling to a point where that they were arguably number four in the country. And the fact that that was their first real chance at exposure, yeah, they did a couple things for Evolve, but didn't really stick around that much. And Beyond Wrestling, I think that you will have them win on night one. Call I, They say there's not going to be like any like interferences and then and that for the tag team match, it's going to be between Private Party and Young Bucks. I think that if you're going to do it very rarely, this is a good time to kind of build them up and then have them one run through the tournament. And then you already have the storyline about the Bucks have not faced these guys and they were cost the match in the tournament. So if they're willing to bend on the idea of clean finishes, this would be the right time to have an interference or have something coming out of there. Or just in general, I think that Santana Ortiz are the, the guys that you would have the most fresh matchups with, and at the very least, most fresh matchups that people haven't seen yet. So that's who I would choose, and they are clearly going to make them into a big deal. I don't know with, with what Nate said about with the Bucks and the importance of the tag team division at this point. I feel like that it's kind of hard to judge. Like, Are they going to use this tag team division to be a draw? We know what they're saying, but the proof will be in where the, they're going to be positioned with going forward. Yeah, I think that's interesting. You can definitely see the Santana and Ortiz fucking things up for the Bucks. I mean, that's like a thing I can imagine happening in wrestling. Uh, but is there an argument to be made that more people have seen Santana and Ortiz than any of these other teams? I mean, they've been on TV. On Impact? On yeah. Impact, bud? No. Uh, uh, the, the TV that Impact's been on since they've been off pop is so poorly viewed that they don't even bother like sending Nielsen books out for it. Pursuit is like, does under 25,000 people watch. I'm pretty sure more people have seen the Young Bucks matches on New Japan on Access than That's been, uh, Santana Ortiz on Impact, let alone Ring of Honor. Well, my thought is, if I'm going to be wrong on this episode, I'm going to be wrong on lots of things. <laughs> wrong boy click. Just go all in on it. I used to, and I don't know. I was right about a few things, and it got me. It, it gets you know, to your head, bud. I got all the way fucked up. Yeah, it does, man. All right, well, let's talk about. I'm sure somebody was wrong about this. Let's talk some numbers, folks. We got a little update on all out numbers. Basically, what we've learned is that all out did slightly worse than double or nothing. We're talking about eight thousand buys when you add up all the different ways you could buy this. It was. A little up in the United Kingdom, down in the U.S., and down basically everywhere else. But we're talking slightly down, you know, so it's not too bad. We talked already last week about whether we thought that was a, a good or bad sign. And the AW crowd internally has kind of blamed the dip on uh, losing Omega versus Moxley. The real interesting thing I see here is that 15,500 of the 28,700 who bought All Out, did not buy Double or Nothing. Or did I fuck that up? That was right enough. <laughs> yeah, basically, about half of the people who bought All Out didn't buy Double or Nothing. So 
again, small data sets. We talked about that last week. Yeah. But it does suggest that there are areas for growth, but it also suggests that they're not selling all their shows. They don't have a, uh, they have a set of fans who aren't going to just buy every show. Yeah. And I think that that's to be expected when we're in peak wrestling. Like it, it's $50 is a stiff fee for a one night show. Now with the WWE yeah. broke the system, like entirely broke it for wrestling. I, I don't think it's fair to compare how UFC still does it in the big boxing matches too, because it's different ecosystems and there's not as much crossover as people are led to believe. And especially with the kind of people that I feel like are the audience for AEW they're I don't really hear them going on about like Anthony Joshua, like people, like legitimate, like boxing stars. So don't know who that is. He was the world heavyweight champion for a time. I believe you. Yeah. But it, getting back to my point, like what we're seeing now is that this is an audience that's not going to be throwing $50 at every pay-per-view unless everything goes to where, do I believe that Pac versus, oh, sorry, Moxley versus Omega would have sold more than Pac? Of course I would have. I mean, Moxley, it, it was seen always as a bigger star, but it, this shows you growth and it shows you really that your fans are not going to just instantly buy every show. But it's interesting to me how the numbers were different globally. So like with UK being up, maybe that is Pac. Pac has worked a lot of UK when he wasn't in Dragon Gate. So he could have been a little bit more of a buy. You also have... Uh, Jimmy Havoc there. He, I wouldn't say he's the star power of someone who's coming off WWE, but he's a known energy amongst that wrestling scene. So I, I feel like that that's kind of interesting to see how these people are positioned and how that might influence these markets. And you know that there's more Dave Matthew about 2.2% of people who bought SummerSlam on pay-per-view bought All Out. That's also WWE. No longer really having a pay-per-view business, but it's interesting. And I think it'll be something that I'm going to try to track as long as they're doing these tentpole shows and we get numbers like this, it's worth evaluating because this is kind of the second big data point in this. This was also, as as Dave said, the uh, the first... <laughs> he did say Dave Matthews at some point, didn't he? So this should be like a recurring, when we do Dave math, we do Dave Matthews, man. <laughs> My brain fired for that too, but I... Oh, Dude, uh, I thought that I just did like a Spears mispronouncing there. I thought that you were no, trying to. You, you said it fine. I just thought it, it triggered when you said Dave Math. I went Dave Math. Yeah. You said. I, I went like Dave Math and then a word began with an S. So yeah, totally. But Real uh, brain problems on this show. Guys, uh, it's like the, the moon's in a weird sector. Like we're just. Oh, not yeah. It's going to be a full today. moon tomorrow, Friday the 13th. Well, there we go. Yeah. Big news. Um, this is if you listen to this tomorrow, then that's today. If you that's listen right. to that Saturday, then that was yesterday. That's right. Thank you. That's usually that's usually my my line. No, but... it's mine. That's my line. Uh, so, well, Dave pointed out it was the first uh, night of college football. So, you know, that could have had like, do I want to watch this free college football game or pay 50 bucks to watch wrestling? And honestly, the card wasn't like didn't blow you away just looking at the card especially when you lose omega versus moxley so i don't know let's let's wait and see how it plays out we also got some more numbers on the tv dates that are uh, still on sale charlotte sold about 2500 tickets in the first hour baltimore about 4500 so off to good starts but we're not having the instant sellouts anymore even for 
the big show, Full Gear. That's the Baltimore show. But they're at about 65% capacity. Dave kind of laid this out, which I thought was interesting. It looks like a WWE pay-per-view, and the, what we're talking about here is ticket sales. A WWE pay-per-view would beat an AEW TV, and an AEW pay-per-view would beat a WWE TV, and AEW TV and Raw are close. So that's kind of fascinating to me is that they're already doing that, except that AEW also has the newness factor on their side. So it doesn't mean they're going to continue to do that, but it's they're in a good spot starting out. Yeah, it's all really going to change when they get TV. And uh, as Dave has said, we don't know if the TV is going to be good. We don't know if the TV is going to find an audience. It can all change wildly depending on these factors. So, All right, let's cancel some people. Are you guys ready? Are you excited? Not really. Okay. Nate doesn't like to cancel people. No, I'm fine canceling people. Our friend of the show, Cody, <laughs> has some issues. Uh this week, although this is from like several weeks ago, right? When this yeah. actually happened? Yeah, this is from Triple Mania. So this was right. happening before All Out. This was middle of August. And kind of interesting that it only got picked up now. Yeah, well, I, it turns out the real problem is that AEW keeps using it in their yeah. in their videos. So basically, Triple Mania, that was when Cody teamed with Psycho Clown and Cain Velasquez. They won. And I didn't know anything about this until I read the Outsports article before I saw this in the Observer. But I guess after Psycho Clown wins matches, he goes in. And I guess it's not just Psycho Clown. It's like a common thing in uh, Mexican sports and in wrestling. He comes in and he uh, chants a word that apparently is a homophobic slur. And uh, on this occasion, Psycho Clown started doing that. Uh, Cain Velasquez joined him and Cody also joined them in this chant and uh people are not happy about it i mean it ended up cody had to make a or no AEW made a statement it said cody joined his teammates at triple a triple mania for what he understood to be their post-match tradition in mexico and was unaware of any negative connotations certainly the last thing cody would want to do is hurt or offend anyone anywhere uh, and I, then, uh, I i don't actually know if any this even like hit anybody's radar until Outsports contacted them about it for the statement. I didn't yeah. like you know I didn't see on my timeline people complaining about this because it is a tradition in wrestling. Um, you would probably not know that unless you're like or you probably wouldn't know the um, connotations of it unless you're like in our specific uh, you know uh, whatever you want to call it bubble of like wrestling fans who are reasonably leftist or woke or whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it, obviously somebody I think at Outsports, you know, picked up on it and went to, wanted to educate some people, so they got the statement. Um, when you're writing a statement, I'm, this is the part of the show where I criticize their PR department or whatever. Like, don't say that Cody doesn't want to do something to offend someone. You know, the correct thing is what they said is you don't want to hurt anyone or like, uh, you know, uh, victimize anyone or minimize or, or you know, diminish any of those things. Like offend is just like a, a third rail word kind of yeah it's also pretty easy to just say like I, i'm willing to believe cody didn't understand the connotations you can say that and say uh you know he he didn't didn't understand the connotation doesn't intend to ever say it again and uh you know apologizes to everyone or whatever so not yeah. a great statement now if you want to uh like you know, participate in the local culture. Uh, you should take the house house mic and say "chinga tu madre" instead. Yes, that's uh, is that better or is that worse? That's better, right? That's I good. Mean, also, not... also "chinga la migra" works well. That one I don't know. 
basically it's like fuck ice you know fuck yeah. immigration oh okay yeah yeah and one of the things that i guess and this is my own failing because i knew about the slur being used in soccer because it was like a big issue with el tree which is the mexican national team that they would do this to more often than not american team coming into estadio azteca and it's been a thing that i believe that a couple of supporter groups in the mls that is the north american with the exception of mexico soccer league here that they've outright like band supporter groups who have used that phrase so it's something that has not crossed over to wrestling it is something that psycho clown does basically every show and especially when he's going up against like fierce rudos they do that and it's i don't think it happens as much in cmll but it's pretty much something that psycho clown does each time and you know now that they know this that it'll be interesting next week for or this sunday for the triple a show at madison square garden hulu theater yeah, I really think if anybody's canceled here, it's probably me and Mike for standing Psycho Clown so hard when apparently he does this on every show. Yeah, I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, this yeah. is on me. I, I'm i yeah, calling our, you both in. Bad, guys. Yeah. Bad. yeah, it's our bad. We... My, my final ruling, uh, Nate and Mike are good. So like they are suspended but not canceled. Uh, they will be brought back. Uh, final ruling, Psycho Clown canceled. Cody, not canceled. What about Kane? Kane, potential AEW roster member down the line. Oh, Kane definitely canceled. Okay. Okay. Uh, although, well. This would have been a good segment for Street Fight Chicago. Can't it would have been. Canceled. <laughs> Imagine they had us and we're like, a psycho clown audience <laughs> of normal human beings. Is psycho clown canceled? We should have brought Brian on just for this segment. Uh, well, I'm canceling Cain Velasquez based on the, uh, I might be canceled for canceling him based on the potentially stereotypical uh, understanding I got from Dave Meltzer that Cain would probably know what the word means and so should not have said it. If it turns out that I'm wrong, then I'm canceled. So that's fine. Uh, apparently Pentagon also says this with some regularity. I didn't know that. So Pentagon also canceled. Okay. Just a few more notes. Actually, just one more note before we get on to BTE. Uh, Kenny Omega, our old our old pal. Uh, no, that's only Mike Spears, that old pal. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, he showed up at OWE's show today. That's Thursday. If you're listening to this on Friday, he showed up yesterday's show. If you listen to this on Saturday, he showed up two days ago on OWE's show in Shinjuku. I didn't know that Kenny was in Japan, so that was interesting to me. And OW also announced they're going to run Corican Hall on December 30th. So, oh man, that's we're going to just miss this probably. I just yeah, realized sure. that. I, I put that in the notes just in case y'all were already going to be in Tokyo. This would be. We, well, no, it has to be the night show, right? Because Ice Ribbon is running the at 11:30. Sure. So they are. It's uh, oh, no. Ribbon Mania. <laughs> oh no, I believe you. I just sure. Ribbon Mania is at 11:30. So this has to be the evening show. So there's a possibility we could make it. I don't think so. What time? We're... Oh no, we, we won't be there until twelve thirty. Wrong day. Yeah. Wrong day. Entirely. Wrong day. Sorry, but, but yeah, Kenny came out after the show. They've OWE is running a lot more in Japan. It'll be interesting to see going forward because Kenny also had some photos taken with him and Michael Nakazawa with President of DDT, uh, Sanshiro Takagi. So they've been kind of treating their Japanese promoter partners kind of evenly this was an absolute surprise today there are 
videos of him speaking in Japanese to the crowd in Shinjuku that kind of went nuts. You know, it was kind of a big surprise there. And OWE, I mean, they completely sold out Shinjuku Face, which is about 600 people. So here's the question. Will it do, will it run better than some of these Noah shows that have been running during the N1 victory, the climax, whatever their dumb tournament is? Well, they, they did pop over a thousand in Corican, right? Um, even with the typhoon. I thought that there was a show that they had 800 at Corican. I thought they popped like 1,031 or something like that in Corican. Oh, I no. Would have, uh, I, w- I would like to see in that video of a surprise appearance. Uh, I wish uh, an account had retweeted it or something. <laughs> so, sorry, no. Uh, they, they did 11 I thought that was your job, Nate. I, no, I haven't fucking seen it, so I can't retweet it. Oh. Weird. I don't know. How, how did I see it then? I don't know. Mike must have retweeted it from his personal account. Mike? I don't no, think I did. No. Mm, I don't uh, know. The two of you failed and are canceled. Wow. I just <sighs> assume that you you are way more <laughs> online than I am, Nate. I just assume that you see everything. No, I've muted most people, so I don't see all that <laughs> much anymore. <laughs> okay. Uh, any chance Kenny or any other AEW talent is on this show? Oh, what day of the week is so yeah uh what day of the week is the 30th let me look this up on the calendar like that that'll be the thing is if it goes up against tv right because they've said that they're not and the first is uh, and the wednesday of that week is january 1st so i you know new year's day a typical holiday don't know if they're doing new live tv that day yeah they might not run so they could have AEW people at this show although it does it's also new year's you know yeah and so i mean like that's a uh it's a possibility. I know that Tony Khan said that for sure they were not going to have a show on uh, over Christmas week because of TNT's Christmas Story Marathon. So I don't think they're going to take <laughs> heat. Yeah, two, two weeks off would be a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but they could have something taped. They don't have to run live that day. And uh, yeah, if uh, you know TNA buys out Ring of Honor and New Japan heads for the hills, then uh, Kenny's also going to need to be in Japan for the fourth and fifth Dome show. So, <laughs> I could see, I mean, Kenny is a guy who would probably enjoy being in Japan for the new year. You know, it's not like a lot of people are going to want to be home. So I could see Kenny being on this show. Yeah, second home there for him anyway. So Yeah. Yeah, and New Year's is the biggest holiday of the year in Japan. So We're going to find right. out. Bentley okay, that's it. <laughs> we're going to be in Rapongi. I'm going to just, are you prepared for me to just sing the Rapongi Vice theme song the whole time? I am there? not, no. <laughs> I would love, we have to take some proactive steps to prevent that from happening. <laughs> I will do it. I've been doing it basically ever since we realized we were going to be there. So you better, if, if that's the case, you better know all the words by the time we get there then. Mm, okay, well, so far, here's what I know. Rapongi lights, Rapongi vice. <laughs> yeah, the rhythm's bad. Rapongi, Rapongi. That's all I know. Weren't you a bassist? I do play the bass guitar. So, so you should know something about the rhythm section. You did yeah. not show me anything there that you know anything about. The I didn't have section. a beat. The beats in your head. No. Yes. Yikes. No. Yikes. Mm. I need the beat mm. in my ear. Mm. Learning a lot about your. Uh aptitude here <laughs> all right well um i don't have a joke here so just tell us about being the elite nate okay episode 169 what is wrong with kenny
this episode opens with our friend, the pointy finger guys. Um, they are berating Brandon Cutler backstage uh, for being a nerd who likes cosplay and D&D. Um, and he cries. <laughs> Very funny to berate him for crying because he, you know, cried to his wife because he got a dream job or whatever. Just That's funny. Um, and, and then they have the nice little twist here where MJF joins in on the fun and he puts his finger in the mix there and uh, calls him the stupid scrawny bald geek. Uh, there was insanely weird stuff happening with the lighting here. Like, I don't know if like they had weird fluorescent lights in this room and it was fucking with the camera, uh, but it was very odd. Uh, and then MJF is like, you guys want to go over to Applebee's and bury some poor people, um, which was, you know, uh, him doing some heel shit there. I did want to, he posted on Twitter that some guy like DM'd him and got mad at him because he buried Applebee's. And the guy was like, my dad like worked for Applebee's and, you know, supported our entire family at Applebee's and I'm an Applebee's guy, which is like, you know, that's valid. You know, your father provided for your family or whatever. But it is like it works in that, you know, MJF said this, you know, this came from MJF's mind. And this wasn't like the WWE where they make fun of, uh, you know, Jim Neidhart dying every second week. And you know that it's Vince and the writers and the promotion that's doing that. So you get heat on the promotion. Like here, it's like you actually get heat on MJF because you can believe that he's the shitty asshole. Uh, now we get the Young Bucks. They're recovering from the ladder match. Uh, and they talk about how they're getting older. They used to feel fine, you know, like 24 to 48 hours after a match. But now it takes them weeks and they're still feeling the pain from an intense match like this. Um, they talk about how they came backstage from the match. And uh, they've never seen a locker room that was more scared after a match than this one here. Uh, and Mrs. Matt in particular has been watching Matt wrestle since they were in their backyard days. And so that was the worst thing that they have ever put her through. Um, so I, this was a good little thing in that they uh, really sold the match and the severity of it and the stakes of it and the seriousness. Uh, and they sort of push it forward to the title tournament. And as we mentioned forward, talk about how, you know, maybe they're the favorites, et cetera. It's so funny to me that being the elite, like really got these, I mean, they were already over, but kind of got them over on like a, personal level when they are like very pretentious in basically every one of these segments it's like always just like a little too much pretentious i don't know that i would say pretentious pretentious is like you know highfalutin fart sniffing new yorker reading i don't get that i think they have some pretense about them that's what i'm saying nate you think they're sniffing their farts and reading the new yorker I mean, that's very evocative, but no. Well, that's what, guess, that's the, that's what uh, pretension evokes. Well, that's not what I'm attempting to evoke okay, here. Okay, you got to give me a better word. Uh, I don't have a better word, okay? Right. Well, then that's the word opinion That's it. One <laughs> shot. I'm just saying they have, like, they have the segments where they're, like, fake gracious, you know? Oh, okay. So I kind of know what you mean. There, You can sort of see a little of the artifice when they they talk about how tired they are or whatever how they've been traveling for eight, 28 hours and then they are they're it's smart but at the end they'll tag it and be like oh but we're so thankful to all the fans that support us and allow yeah. us to do what we love and stuff it's like oh we uh we flew ourselves out to these indie dates you yeah. know like all that stuff or or this yeah it's not you know it's just for sure for sure a terrible word choice by you no it's um, definitely i'm <laughs> Happy with my diction. Uh, okay, nice use of diction. Thank you. I knew the, you uh, appreciate that. Classic but, usage of the word. Anyway, you could see these uh, segments really turning people off to them, uh, but they seem to have done the opposite. So good for them. 
well, you can never underestimate the, uh, you know, stupidity of the American consumer. Um, <laughs> but no, I thought this segment, I, I do know what you mean, but when they do it in other segments, I, I just like, uh, applaud them for being savvy and smart about it. And I'm like, Oh, that's smart pro wrestling that they're like, you know, they, they express their thankfulness and stuff like that instead of just coming off like total assholes or whatever. And this segment, I didn't really get it. And this segment, this seems like pretty sincere. Uh, da, da, we get a, um, a um, Rick Knox bit at uh, what I would guess is catering for the uh, all out show here. Cause it looks like they've got like a cracker barrel toy on the table. Um, and they've got all the funny people in the promotion are sitting at a table. It's uh, Chuck and Orange and other people that I didn't know. Um, and he basically makes them clean it up and get napkins on their laps. And uh, I don't know. Rick Knox bit. He does the count, the funny count. Let me go yeah. back to the young bank. <laughs> go ahead. I was going to say that this was probably where the Rick Knox refereeing stuff outside of the ring. I think they've kind of gone that drill gone to that well too many times they've drilled that water and it's all out yeah this needed a and they've done the counting a lot <laughs> we've seen the counting yeah we did a few more um idioms there from, from our <laughs> <old pal. laughs> i i noticed i dropped i i was thinking well and i was thinking about drilling for oil and i said drill like the twitter account so yeah <laughs> Yeah, no. As soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, are they going to let me get away with this? And I should have known better. I was. I actually was going to let you get away with it. Well, thank you, Nate. I see who our true friends are here. <laughs> you already dropped a let me be frank earlier on this episode, so. I probably admit I missed it. <laughs> no, no, no. That, was, that. that one was intentional. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, sorry. Um, all right, Young Bucks training montage and promo. Uh, they talk about how they've been the best tag team in, in the world for a decade. Now they're going to see who's second best. Uh, this also, like, I thought you got some good insights, like the actual character Matt Jackson talks about how he gets sick when new teams show up and start hitting more gifts than them. That's like, you know, uh, you feel sincere and it's kind of funny. Maybe comes off a little bit uh, asshole-ish or something, but, you know, it, you kind of have to take that with the territory in pro wrestling because you kind of have to be like a... Uh, you know, a, a lunatic out to prove you're better than everyone else in order to be like, become a star in the business. See, I think that's likable because it's real. The other thing is like, it feels put on. It's like, it, we know it, we need to uh, appear like we're gracious when really we're like bragging about whatever. Well, uh, yeah, I, uh, but I don't doubt that they are, you know, fundamentally gracious, like when they're at home, you know, in their nice house with their lots of money or whatever. Like, I'm sure they have some appreciation. It's just when the premise of your segment of the show is holy shit we've been in airports for 18 hours like it's hard to come off sincere saying that but they still make an effort to so that's my point all right we get a good old jr appearance on bte here he's in norman he suspends his grilling to announce that AEW is going to be in nashville on november 13th as we previously discussed thought it was notable that nyla was on the poster for this show uh, i don't know if that's tipping uh, their hand as to who will be the top pushed woman at that point in time or, or what that is. But, uh, you know, they didn't have any women on the first poster. Now we've gotten some mixed in here. We thought Britt on the poster was tipping their hand and it wasn't. So <laughs> See, I did. that's because I was for the Pittsburgh show. So she's from Pittsburgh. Yeah. And uh, JR said that 30 years ago in Nashville, uh, he called the final flare steamboat match there. Congrats. All right. BT mailbag. We get a vertical. <laughs> 
vertically shot video by Kenny just looks like an absolute disaster. Um, the question that comes up is if there will be a special SCU shirt for Boston, but he doesn't address it at all. And it's not even clear. <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was what amused me is that there was a BT <laughs> question here, but he just starts melting down immediately instead. Um, I don't this know. It's a great bit now because. I didn't realize that. I mean, obviously, it has nothing to do with it. So <laughs> yeah. it's even funnier. It's amazing. It was. They definitely had the idea of, oh, we should like have him in the mailbag, and then that was like maybe one of the questions they got. I don't know. Is he, I, was he in a wedding here? It looked like he was a wedding, right? This looked like wedding. Look at like weird hair extensions going on. He had some uh, Kenshin Chicano hair for the uh, real Dove Pro heads out there, but. <laughs> I love this because I watched a whole lot of Connor O'Malley videos over the last few weeks, and it definitely had him campaigning for Howard Schultz vibes going on there. It had that yeah, energy. and I appreciated sure. it. Can you should keep it up? Finger on the pulse, BTE is going to start aping Connor O'Malley. Kenny, I mean, Kenny does look like a total disaster here, but he'd have to go way harder to match that energy. But that would be impressive. Also would probably hurt his chances of getting over with normal people. Right. I don't think that they're going to get that, but they should still do it. Just to just pop the three of us. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he says he doesn't care about the, he doesn't care about losing to Pac. He uh, loves the people. He does it all for the cheers, but it's supposed to come off as insincere. Um, so then we pull out and it's Nick and Matt and they're reviewing this video and they says they can't put that on the show. And Matt's like, can't you fix it in post? Which is funny because obviously <laughs> yeah. no. Um, they also drop in the little nugget here that Hangman is no selling them on their texts. So it's still advancing that, that there's a split between those guys there and his uh, outcome of the Chris Jericho match. Uh, also, just appreciated that Matt Jackson still had ice on his neck here. So even three segments later, he was still selling the match. Um, and I was also appreciated that the, like, this was the mailbag, but it was all pretty much story stuff because anyway. Luchasaurus is then asked if he's friends with Barney. Uh, the premise of this bit is he is a real dinosaur instead of a fake dinosaur. So he objects uh, about having his real dinosaurness appropriated and being played by a man in a dinosaur suit instead of a real dinosaur. Um, you know, a cute little premise that's like, hey, Scarlett Johansson, she, uh, you know, she can play any role. That's sort of the joke here. Um, you know, kind of a, you know, depends on your level of how many times you've encountered this for how many times you want to or how the degree to which it is hack, but anyway. Disingenuous, maybe, is what I should have gone with. That would be better. That's yeah, certainly that's better still, than pretentious. Did not you quite look up pretentious while I was talking? No, I would never uh, look up anything while the show's on. That, that's not the word I want. I, I like pretentious. I'm sticking with Wrong. it. So Sticking with it. Stew on that. That's the end of the show. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, don't leave yet. Please. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. So attempting to impress by affecting greater importance, talent, culture, etc., than is actually possessed. I like it. No, I think it goes with what wrong. I was saying. What the fuck? <laughs> this is super wrong. I think I think I was right all along, actually. For sure you're wrong. Yeah, no, I was, I was right. That's good. We I'm glad I was read, right. Readers, 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 weigh in. Leave us a review on the <laughs> Everything Elite feed on the podcast app. Leave a five-star review and uh, whatever you mentioned there, we'll talk about here at the end of the show. Please mention that uh, uh, Bentley does not know the defi definition of the word pretentious. I just read it and it was exactly what I said. It wasn't at all. You just yeah, read so it and it was not what you were referring to in their segment. 
It was exactly what I said to come off as of higher culture by, um, I don't see seeming slightly insincere in a wrestling promo. Not by it it was exactly what I said. So I'm glad uh, that that happened and that all the listeners could, could be here as it happened. That was great. Very glad about that. If you enjoyed that as, as much as I did learning that I was actually right in the end, you can follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, ya. And subscribe to the podcast. Nate already told you about reading and reviewing. But how about this? Let me, let me, let me sell this to you. Why don't you sponsor the podcast? The app, no, the link is going to be in the show notes. You can go to redcircle.com slash shows slash everything hyphen elite. Click sponsor this podcaster. Give a one-time sponsorship or a monthly sponsorship. And uh, the roughly hour and a half we spend every week, uh, we, we might receive some uh, payment for. We spend a lot more than an hour and a half every week on this show because, uh, well, there's no reason why we just do it. It's pretentious, I think. I should be compensated for the time I have to spend listening to, to Aaron be wrong about definition. <laughs> I, was I right. do. I'm looking at Red Circle. They got the no cartridge audio on there as a podcast people can check out. So in good company here on the redcircle.com. I didn't realize that Between the Sheets is a Red Circle show. No kidding. Yeah, just found that out the other day as I was looking around the app. Now we're on the same network as Bix. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that's enough for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 